Welcome to the August 2023 edition of the Presale Pulse, a real estate show dedicated to everything happening in real estate across Metro Vancouver and the Fraser Valley. Now I'm your host, Ryan Lalonde, and folks, we're going to give it up to MLA's marketing matriarch, Susanna Gonsalves. Thanks, Ryan. Matriarch, I like it. It's meaningful. Uh, Suze, let's wrap it up in the conversation. Some market intel. What are the macro factors affecting real estate today? Yeah, well, the key phrase of the month seems to be soft landing. Uh, after much apprehension in the market, a number of indicators seem to be saying that we may come out of the uh, other side of this much better than we anticipated. I think that's true. We're hearing that regularly. It seems it's actually hard to escape that conversation. Number of inflation reports and data coming out recently that seems to be pointing in the same direction. Inflation is meaningfully slowing. And at the same time, the economy seems to be uh, sidestepping some major meltdowns. Our hope is that that shift truly impacts the mindset of BOC and future rate increases. Yeah, we've not seen massive spikes in unemployment or any large-scale sell-off or decline in asset prices. This is very positive news for investors who rightfully had great skepticism that that was possible given the somewhat questionable actions from the central bankers thus far. And I think that being said, a few important caveats, uh, the so-called soft landing. Firstly, we had officials like the Minneapolis Fed Reserve Chair come out and say that he believes that we will achieve a soft landing. Belief is much different than reality, however. We've seen expectations shift quickly through the year, so anything is possible at this point. Yeah, and secondly, we must keep in mind that a soft landing is still nonetheless a forced landing. There's going to be some uh, measure of pain here no matter what. And I think we're going to see unemployment continue to creep up, right? Likely at least a few quarters of very slow GDP growth and economic activity. Interestingly, Stats Canada's latest labor force survey revealed 45,000 jobs are lost in construction in July, 71,000 since January 2023. That kind of reality is unavoidable given the decades high inflation that we've seen. Yeah, but the key point for us here in real estate is that we're on track to avoid maybe one of the only genuinely bad outcomes for the housing market. And that is if we were to begin to see financial strain in the average households as a result of the economy and a large force sell-off in the market, or what we call distressed selling. Yeah, and so far, Suze, you're right. Uh, we we just have not been seeing that um, mortgage delinquency is ticking downward. We've been in our current path, and we are expecting to be able to weather the storm in the months to come in Vancouver. So there's three key takeaways here that we want to focus on. Uh, the first, after a lot of discussion um, of positive inflation reports and macroeconomic data, analysts are now tentatively and once again predicting a soft landing. Second, it's important to note that a soft landing is not without pain and will likely have a large impact on the real estate market in the coming years. This pain will be felt more and more as mortgages roll over, saving accounts are depleted, and unemployment rate trends upward. And third, primary markets such as Vancouver are expected to remain poised for growth during these difficult times. A big part of that relates to the supply-demand curve, rising construction costs, and massive undersupply of new housing. Yeah, well said. So let's shift now into the pre-sale market. Overall sales and launch activity fell in July, aligning with typical seasonal activity for this time of year. Yeah, I completely agree, Suze. And it's taken longer than usual for sales to start trending down. Both developers and buyers' sites are focused on the fall market. Still, there are a number of interesting programs that are preparing to launch. City of Lowkey, Tower 3, loving this, started home tours in July, reported to have started writing at early August. Yeah, they squeaked past our July cutoff for the forecast, which means that we haven't seen any concrete launches in the past month. In total, there were five launches that brought just 326 units to the market. Same month absorptions, a solid 33%, relatively modest, but not unexpected for this time of year. You know, right, this market has been interesting to follow. Coming into the fall market, we're in such a tight supply condition. Many programs that released inventory or launched in the spring are well positioned with sales to hit construction financing benchmarks and move forward. 
So what do you think we can expect in the coming months? I think there's a few open questions here. Number one, how the labor market performs in the second half of this year. And secondly, whether the Bank of Canada is going to continue with its rate hikes or whether the soft landing that everyone's talking about actually comes to pass. But overall, we can expect more of the same tight market conditions and a willingness from buyers to purchase in a higher rate environment. Canada will likely welcome in excess of 1.2 million people this year. Similar to our achieved targets in 2022, housing demand is driving prices and absorption in key markets across British, British Columbia. Metro Vancouver and the Fraser Valley, I think you're going to see it do well. Now, do you think that'll be consistent across the resale and the pre-sale market? Great question. Uh, not exactly. I think we're expecting resale markets in the lower mainland to moderate. This is allowing inventory to recover, prices to level off, a lot of appreciation recently. Home buyers can expect more inventory to choose from in the future, but should also recognize that the degree of softness in today's market will be short-lived. I think that yo-yo is going to spin back up. The pre-sale market is going to be a lag. The shift in resale market allowing pre-sale activity to remain relatively persistent over the fall and early winter months, which is great for any programs in market or coming to market. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, this makes sense, especially for programs with long completion timelines and who are offering attractive deposit structures. While in the short term, we may see fluctuation in interest rates and economic activity, a soft landing in the economy will give necessary direction for buyers hoping for a long-term play. Yeah, Sujir, I, I think that's spot on. Uh, as we mentioned in a number of episodes, uh, it's time in market. Now, the two takeaways, I think, for this area, number one, pre-sale activity softened with seasonal demand. Programs that launched in the spring have done well and are hitting needed sales volumes for construction financing. Number two, we're expecting modest resale activity in the fall and winter, but expect pre-sale activity to remain consistent and strong in the fall and early parts of winter. So up next, let's talk about some future projects. Let's start with a big one, Citizen by Anthem. Located right in the heart of Metro Town, Citizen will be one of Metro Town's tallest towers, bringing 372 units over 66 stories into the market. Their market residential homes start on the 32nd floor, which means every home comes with a pretty good view. That might be absolutely true. We always love how Anthem sends it, but purchasers are also paying a premium with studios starting in the high 500s all the way to three beds starting in the mid 1.1s. Uh, they're lending approximately around $1,400 per square foot, which is a new ceiling for Metrotown area right now. That's a good point, right? And they have combated that with an attractive timeline and deposit structure to help offset that high price point, especially for those hoping for a later completion. The project isn't set to be completed until late 2028, and they are offering a stretched out 20% deposit that only requires one 5% deposit every year until 2026. And those are attractive terms to buyers. Definitely looking like an attractive option for anybody hoping to hedge interest rates. I think that that's part of the strategy. Absolutely. Now, what I'm also noticing about Citizen is the jump in floor plans from one bed and den directly to two bed and den, all well over 800 square feet. Without those junior two beds and smaller two beds, it may be hard for those mid-range buyers between that 800 to 1 million mark to find a home within their budget. I think it's going to be very interesting to understand how the unit mix will affect sales and if having that gap between plans will cause them to lose out on other more competitive offerings in various markets. Buyers are not geographically constrained today. Aggregate price is everything. It's the difference maker. We're going to see what that type of value leaves on the table for them. Yeah, I think we saw Perla struggle a little with their larger unit mix. So we'll see if Citizen follows suit. We'll find out once sales start very soon. Love it. Um, all right, next up, let's talk about Astrid, one of many active town projects popping up along Canby Corridor. It's been a tough market over the past two years. We're excited to see it come back alive. This townhouse development is adding an additional 40 units into the neighborhood and with a unit mix ranging from one in den homes all the way to three in den homes, stacked townhouse format with a private rooftop. Yeah, there hasn't been a lot of new condo inventory within the Canby Corridor recently. 
and most townhome projects offering homes over 1,000 square feet, Astrid is currently one of the few projects along the corridor offering smaller one-and-den and, and two-and-den product, ranging from 575 to 837 square feet. Now, we already know the majority of buyers that end up in this area are end-users that wish to remain along the corridor, so Astrid may become one of the only options for them if they are looking for a smaller home and thus a lower price point. Yeah, that's right. And Esquin costs and some of these smaller scale projects, developers are really struggling to launch condo product at the price point that is necessary to offset high premiums they'd originally paid for these lands. And as far as the largest demographic for Astrid goes, you're spot on, Sue. Typically, the Cami Quarter sees end users either in the 50s or 60s downsizing from single family, all of them having lived a long time, all of them having lived some time in the Cami Quarter and wanting to remain around that neighborhood. Yeah, so Astrid is currently blending at around 1400 bucks a square foot, which is lower than its competitors Soto on West 28th and Ash 28th, which are our blending at 1700 and 1600 bucks respectively. I think, I think since launching since June, Astrid has three sales, slow and less steady, seems to be the theme for the Cami Quarter this year. Soto on W28 having five units sold, uh, Ash and 28 with three sales. Yeah, I think it's also worth mentioning that this seems to be an era enterprise's first development. They've mostly focused on investing in real estate versus developing it. So it'll be interesting to see how they execute it as well. Now for our markets barometer, let's turn our attention to the resale stat. Thanks, Suze. I'll kick this off. Now, although down 17.8% from the previous month, sales have continued to remain strong throughout July, ending the month with 2,455 transactions. This is 28.9% higher than what we were seeing around the same time last year. Yeah, what's interesting is the fact that a big reason for the decline in sales last July was due to the big 100 basis points hike we saw in interest rates. But now we're seeing interest rates that are doubled out of last year with no immediate slowdown in sales. It's a fascinating market. I think this is a huge indicator that demand in the market is still strong and buyers have now found ways to adapt and qualify for the higher lowering costs. Absolutely. And I think people that were holding off from the market in hopes of lowered interest rates have realized that these elevated interest rates are the new normal. And with prices continuing to rise regardless, it's better to get in sooner rather than later. Yeah, I think I think we ought to talk pricing a little bit here too. We are seeing 0.6% increase in the composite benchmark pricing from June and 0.5% increase from last year. Now, we can't talk about pricing without also bringing up supply. How is that currently looking, Suze? Yeah, well, we're up 3% from last month with a total of just over 10,000 listings, but this is still 14% below the 10-year seasonal average. Yeah, and if demand remains the way we've been seeing it and supply doesn't increase, we are likely to see even further pushing up of those benchmark prices eventually as more buyers come to terms with the fact that these interest rates are going to be the new reality for the foreseeable future. Yeah, so overall, we are still seeing a relatively strong resale market, even with the slight decline in sales we saw in July, as was expected. Low inventory combined with increased acceptance of the higher interest rates and some positive downward movement in inflation, sustaining confidence in the market is what is causing us to see an increase in benchmark prices month after month. A I mouthful. That's a mouthful. I think that's a wrap as well. Is that another episode done? Yeah, it is. Love it. Uh, hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And if you haven't already, be sure to check out our Newswire, a daily email roundup of all the breaking news in the world of real estate. It's in your inbox if you choose it to be. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. We'll see you next time on the Pre-Sale Pulse.